Doug, what do you have on your overrated list? Well, without getting into specific titles, I suppose, I don't uh, have anything left from the 80s in my personal collection from James Horner. That's, uh, someone you don't have... Just... Hmm? You don't have anything you said left? Yep, I, I, I have not hung on to any of his compositions from the 80s. Wow. Yeah. It's, you just uh, never connected to that, huh? That, that I part. did connect to it, but then as I as I learned uh, more of the the repertoire that apparently James Horner also learned, <laughs> there the, you know, if, if it wasn't uh, cribbed from somewhere, it's just so vanilla and dull to me. Uh, and it, it was getting very depressing finding that everything I liked out of his work, you know, to a T was from something else. Um, so at even some point his, I kind of threw in the towel. Even his early 80s stuff? Uh, yeah. I, I like, find that harmonically so stripped down and skinny. I just I just uh, can't stick with it very long. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Hearts, Amazing. I know. I, um, to be honest, I have two Horner scores left in my collection at this point. I think I have uh, The Rocketeer and Sneakers, and I think everything else is, is uh, gone to a, a, a better home. Wow, so you wouldn't even keep them in your possession? Uh, well, I mean, not out of spite. <laughs> I just didn't need for it. You know? Only so much room down here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's amazing because, Wow. I mean, I love so much of the stuff that he did in that. I mean, granted, a lot of it was similar, but then you have Glory. I mean, you didn't even keep Glory. Uh, I kept Elgar. Uh, I kept Carmina Burana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, okay, point taken. Yeah. Um, now, Helen, I know that you have some, some love for, for Horner out of the 80s. Yeah, Glory, number seven. Definitely. And... Anything and, higher? Oh, oh, right, right. Number four. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Crawl. Crawl. Top four. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that was. Crawl. Loved Crawl. Yeah, that, was, that was early on stuff. A lot of that crept into um, Wrath of Khan, of course. Um, interesting. Well, other than saying all of James Horner was overrated, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm necessarily saying that. <laughs> It's not, it's you're, say, not, you're not not saying it. Not traveled with me. You can't take it back now. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I've been told he already hates me, so I probably can't dig a deeper ditch at this point, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't have any of his stuff in your possession, that's, you know, okay. He can't like, he can't like repossess his stuff and say, well, give me all my stuff back if you don't like it. It's already gone, so no. you're in a good, you're, you're in a good <laughs> position. That's yeah, I mean, right, just really yeah. quickly to touch on touch on that. But, I mean, it is discouraging to to hear so many years later. Everything is just regurgitated, as we know. Um, and I and to us, I guess, it started in the '80s. And I guess that that would kind of influence uh, the fandom fandom level. I think I might have been influenced tonight. So, influenced meaning negatively in terms yeah, of him, yeah. James Horner. I mean, just just thinking of it in a context, uh, you know. Knowing that everything that I loved so much in the '80s is still being, you know, back in the mix again today, um, kind of kind of dampens things a little bit. You're saying that the stuff that was done in the '80s is being redone today? Well, from James Horner, I, I think that the level of repetition that has just pierced through the past 30 years 
I think mm-hmm. when you look back on the favorite scores, I, you can't listen to them in the same way. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still love his stuff from the eighties. I still. If, if I can interject something here, it's, it's been interesting sure. as I've been doing all this research on the history of film music and all that. You know, something I've been doing for various purposes over the last couple of months. Um, you know, really, the history of film music back in the twenties and thirties and in the silent era and all that. You know. Most of it was built on pre-existing concert works or recycled this or that, and, and it really is part of the history of the art form. So mm. the fact that I have an issue with Horner doing that, uh, you know, I should be very upfront and say that's simply my issue because it, mm. you know, it's all subjective, and it's his practices, even if they might rub me the wrong way, are very much in keeping with the history of this art form. Now, mm-hmm. you know, m- my background is in you know, concert hall music. So those things are going to irritate me because I'm going sure. to, you know, I'm going to learn a lot of those concert works first or, or you know, my yeah. studies have been along those lines, so it'll bother me. But that's yeah. purely subjective. You know, if people can live with that and they're fine with it, that's the history of the art, and there's no one that can really say, well, that's an abhorrent practice and he's a lousy composer and a terrible human being and he's probably mean to his pets. And, you know, <laughs> it's 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 all... It's all our baggage as listeners to a certain degree, and I'm I'm fully willing to cop to that. But my issues with Horner's practices are, you know, those are my issues. It's it's not something to say that it's he's a lousy guy or a lousy sure. practitioner of this art. He just happens to have a take on the art that's not in alignment with what I happen to like. But who am I to say? What would you I say that? that- I think the distinct difference here is when he ushers in a theme that was used in another movie. As a viewer, as I'm watching the new movie, I'll be taken back and distracted by that previous movie. I think that that's probably the biggest problem I have with him uh, by choosing this path. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would agree with you on that in, in terms of stuff that he has done later and more recent. Um, but. In terms of the stuff that he was doing in the eighties, even in the early eighties, um, Doug, do you is he like doing note for note like lifts from? There's uh, large passages, yeah. I mean, even you know, uh, Star Trek Two. There's huge chunks of Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet in there, um, Britain War Requiem, things like you know, it's it's, it's a. It distracts me because it's not a motif that will be similar to someone else's motif. It'll be. 24 bars that are taken wholesale and worked into the middle of a chase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's a huge history of, of you know, I went back to Mozart took ideas from other composers. It's not as if right. this never happens, but I find it very distracting sure. when it's a, an extended passage. To me, that kind of throws you well, out of the picture, you know. Well, what about, what about, does it bother you like, um, Star Wars, first Star Wars, Williams. I mean, there's a lot of Holst in there, and um, uh, gosh, it slips my mind right now. But I mean, there's stuff that's Howard Hansen. Howard well, Hansen's an ET, yeah. That's the big, you know, the Symphony Number no. Two, that finale of ET is all over the place. Yeah, yeah, but see, the thing is, at least with Williams, he's more intelligent about that kind of. Thing. My my issue with Horner has always been that, um, like you were saying, his lifts are very direct and very blatant. Like it's not like, oh, you know what? I really like this this set of bars. Let me see if I can interpret them, or mm. you know, at least that. No, he's he's like, I like this set of bars. Now they're my set of bars. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the Williams Holst thing for for Star Wars. You know, people 
have always sort of made a deal out of that, but I think they were more looking to let the air out of Star Wars back in the time. Um, certainly there's elements of it, but it, it's like, you know, for example, in the opening where the big Star Destroyer flies over, he does this thing where he's, you know, stacking fourths in this sort of halting rhythm that's similar to the way Holst stacked fourths in a halting rhythm at the end of the first movement of the planet, at the end of Mars. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it's not like he took that entire ending and just sort of pasted it into his score and left it alone. He took a musical right. concept and then did his rendering of, of, of a, you know, almost like the theory of it was similar, but it was still his voice. Um, mm. Which isn't, you know, and again, maybe that's that's too much for some people. It depends on your tolerance for it. But sure. then when you go to, to a Star Trek two a few years later and there's a huge passage where the entire passage is out of Romeo and Juliet, to me that's irritating. Um, he also he also uh, generally generously leveraged uh, battle battle on the ice from Alexander Nevsky. Yes, right, right. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a daily double in Star Trek Two. Well, there's I mean there's little pieces all over the place. That's exactly right. Yeah, and uh, see, you know, see now you guys you're you're messing you're messing <laughs> with my love of the eighties, and I will shut this podcast down. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like that that is where film music came from. So maybe that's fine. You know. It, <laughs> We sort of developed, you know, such a little tolerance for that, and maybe that says more about where we are as listeners than really anything about the art form. Maybe it's okay to do that, and we're just getting all uppity about it. I don't know, you know. Well, if you've if you've heard it first, you know, by the original com- classical composer, and then you hear it in a score, I can, you know, I could, I I would be distracted as well. I think, and and probably not like that so much. Um, sure, yeah, but. But that, in my case, you know, I, and even to this day, I mean, I'm not so versed in, in 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 classical music where I can pick up on on that. I can't more so now than I could in the '80s when I was a you know a kid. Um, so my love for the music was already there first, and then later I come to find out some of these. You know, oh well, but you know, I the the damage is done. I already <laughs> I've already loved what 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 they do. You know, or what they've done. So I don't necessarily, I haven't, at least to this point, kind of fought. I mean, I don't love Star Wars any less. I mean, I, I, I discovered that on my own as a fairly young person when I listened to Hulse. And I was like, wait a minute, this sounds exactly like, I mean, as far as I could tell, this sounds exactly like, you know, this part of Star Wars or um, Tchaikovsky. You know, this part sounds exactly like uh, the, the Jawas thing. You know, I kind of discovered it, but I didn't. I didn't love it any less. I was maybe a slightly disappointed, like, oh, this wasn't 100% original. Okay, I didn't really care. It's like, I see <laughs> Star Wars, I still love it, you know. And I kind of feel that same way about um, some of the things that Horner does. Not, I mean, when he's lifted from other classical composers. But what Tom says, I definitely agree with. When he, the four notes, the villain thing, the villain motif, you know, all of that thing that he does all the time, that's very irritating. Because it's like, hello, there are a lot of other combinations you could go with that communicate that there's a villain around. You know what I mean? I mean, but that's like, I think those are his signatures. I mean, he clearly knows he's doing it. And he, uh, I think he, he, those are just his signatures that, this is a James Horner score. Da 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 da. He's just telling you. I'm this thinking is James he Horner really, here. I'm thinking he had a really bad experience with Rachmaninoff when he was young, and, and was always, <laughs> you know, he needed to take that little figure and put it as the negative theme in all of his scores. I, I don't know. 
I think he's just signing them, you know. Oh, oh, yeah, it was James Horner. You definitely know. I mean, those who know, know, oh, James Horner. Um, but I definitely agree with you, Tom, that that kind of, that, those signatures are very distracting because um, you are instantly taken back to whatever uh, previous use uh, or it first came up anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's that's just, ooh, it's still a hard one for me because there's so many from the 80s of his that I love. Um uh so and and I I guess I'm glad for the whatever level of ignorance I have there <laughs> so I can continue enjoying them You've been listening to the Soundcast Vault. New episodes of the Soundcast can be found at tracksounds.com.